Welcome to episode 156 of the Black in Fashion podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Um, we are so excited. Um, we have um, a guest that is a accessory designer today. And we don't have a lot of accessory designers, so I'm really, really excited because I am a handbag girl, okay? So I really love it. I love me some leather work, so we're going to get into her background. We're going to learn a little bit about herself. Of course, guys, make sure you are sending in your black notes. We want to be able to give you advice, provide feedback, anything you're struggling with. We'd love to hear from you. And as well as your I am BNF campaigns. Tell us what it means to be black in fashion to you, okay? So I wanted to introduce Giovanna. I have Giovanna on the line today. How are you? I am well. How are you? I am great. And she is designing for Tony Becca, which is an accessory and handbag brand, um, focusing in on leather goods as well. So I'm going to let her unpack. So Tony, tell us a little bit about where you're from, where you grew up, and when that fashion bug bit you. Okay, so I um, live in the Midwest. I am in Columbus, Ohio. Nice. I was born in Toledo, Ohio, however. And I would say that the fashion bug hit me very early on in life. Um, I've always just loved putting on, you know, nice looking outfits and really um, styling myself to look good whenever I stepped out the door. And it's funny because even though I grew up wanting to be a fashion designer, and then at one point in time, I wanted to be a stylist, I ended up being a leather bag designer. But that's always been in me too, because my dad tells this really funny story. When I was probably about like three or four years old, I used to carry a handbag everywhere I went, right? Because I thought I was grown. <laughs> <laughs> and we were in the store and I had set my bag down in the store and we got all the way out to the car and I feel like it was a department store. We got all the way out to the car and I was like, oh my God, my purse, my purse. And I would not stop yelling my purse. And my dad got out the car, went back in that store and did not come out until he found my bag. And so I've always just had a thing for handbags and I would say it started then. I love that for you. You know what's crazy? I had a similar story, girl, but we never recovered my bag, girl. My uh -oh. bag. And I left it. I left it in a. Uh, I'm from the Midwest, too. I'm from Chicago. Girl, I left it. I think it was a Harold Chicken, girl. And, oh, I, my and I was like, I want to say like eight or nine, I believe, when this happened. And I was just distraught, girl, because my mom had took me to the beauty supply store. I had my little hairbrush, my lip gloss, girl. I thought I was doing it. I thought I, I thought I was doing it, and then I lost that doggone purse and just felt so crazy afterwards. <laughs> and you know, every little thing we put in our bag was so dear to us, right? So we dear. Put, like our my, our most prized possessions in our little bag. I would walk around the house finding little stuff to put in my bag just so I could find still grown. <laughs> <laughs> right. I hear that. So tell me a little bit about your inspiration. How do you design like a bag collection, and what does your design process look like? So really, um, I would say it usually is based off of a need, um, a need that I'll find that I have um, or a desire for a particular type of bag, whether it be like a tote bag or like a backpack. And I just kind of like 
take it from there. And a lot of times going into the leather store, I can look at a piece of leather and I'm like, okay, that would make a great backpack. That would make, you know, a great weekender or a crossbody bag or whatever. And that's really where my inspiration comes from. When I'm looking at the leather, I get so many ideas. Like, okay, this will look good with this type of leather. Cause sometimes I like to mix them together. Um, but it really just comes from there and based off of a need, like, oh, I need a new whatever type of bag. Let me design it. Do you have a favorite type of bag? I find myself carrying totes all the time. And I'm really trying to get away from totes. I'm really trying to get into that, like, hands-free, you know, error. Uh But I always find myself going back to my tote bag. I always just, they're just, they have, it's enough room for me to carry everything. Like, I'm a business owner. I'm a mother. I'm a wife. And, you know, they always need lotion or a snack or whatever. And I just feel (laughs) like when I have my tote bags, I'm I'm prepared for whatever somebody gonna need. <laughs> I hear that. I'm a good for a tote bag too, girl, because I like to keep a lot of stuff on me. I be trying to get into the small bags, but it is very very challenging to say the least. Because it's like I always want to carry a whole bunch of stuff, including my laptop. I be trying to take my laptop everywhere I go because I might bust it out and start doing some work or some business. <laughs> yes, yes, that is me. I don't go anywhere without my laptop. My husband's like, you can't go on no kind of trip, no matter what it is about your life. No, I cannot. No, I cannot. I got to know what's going on around me, what's happening. Okay, I got to be able to bust out and do some work if I need to, you know? Yes, for sure, yeah. for sure. So tell me about your entrepreneurship journey. Like, um, what challenges and obstacles have you, you, you know, you faced? Um, and what did you do to get past them? You know, oh my gosh, this year has been very challenging for me. Um, my, my journey actually started. So I went to the Columbus college of art and design Mm -hmm. and I have a degree in fashion design from there. And so I originally wanted to be a stylist while I was like enrolled in school, but I made a a leather bag while I was taking an accessories class. Um, it was actually a specialty construction class. And so we had to make a leather bag and that's when it was like, Oh, okay. Not only do I love leather bags, but I love making them and working with leather. And so fast forward to after graduation, trying to, you know, start my own business as a stylist. And I found myself going back to the bags. Mm-hmm. And at the time it's like, for you know, it was like a year or so out of college. I'm married. I have children. Um, I'm working a part-time job. I'm a stylist at J. Crew. It's like I didn't have the money to or a nest egg or anything like that to start my business. So for me, it was like, okay, I'm a bootstrap. I'm gonna have to bootstrap it all. And that was one of the challenges because I really wanted to start off manufacturing, like get a manufacturer and do it and not have to make the bags myself. But I've actually grown to love making the bags and mm-hmm. what that process looks like and everything. Even though now I'm like, I need a manufacturer. Like, that's the only way I'm going to grow. <laughs> but, um, but even in that, like this year, so in 2023, I was doing a lot of markets in my city, pop-up shops, everything that I could find. Um, because I knew that being the in-person selling was like my moneymaker. And I was growing my online business as well. So last year I made more money on my online business or on my website than I made in person. And I was like, okay, this is great. I want to transition because I'm tired. I'm getting too old to be setting up tents and doing all this, you know, back breaking work. So I was like, okay, I can do the online space. And as I'm trying to transition to that, it's just like learning that I'm only one person 
and I can only make so much, you know, I have, mm -hmm. again, I have a family. And so I can't be in my studio, create, creating all day. And then with inflation, with the economy, with all these different things, it's like, okay, I got to raise my prices. So I can't really afford to bring somebody in to work with me mm -hmm. to duplicate myself, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just been really trying to figure out what works for me as a business owner. I used to make the bags, post them up on the site. I would make like one bag and I would post it on the site. I would, you know, put it up on social media, send it to my new, my um, email list and all the things. And then once that bag sold, I would put, I would keep it up on the site and just be like, okay, you can order another one, six to eight weeks. Or if you love this bag, but you want it in another color, you can order that. It'll be a little extra and it'll take six to eight weeks. Well, it was, I was finding because people weren't ordering as much and my sales were going down, it was hard to even keep up with that. Mm -hmm. And then it, it and then it overwhelms me because when a person, the minute a person presses, presses order on your website, they're like, where my bag at? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm <laughs> you know, I got other orders. I do them as they come in and I got other orders to fulfill. And so the stress in being overwhelmed of people constantly reaching out to you, is my bag done? Is my bag done? And it's like, okay, I'm not taking your money and not going to give you your bag. Like, I'm going to give you your bag. I want you to have your bag, but listen. And so that right there let me know I needed to shift. I needed to cut the stress and then just not even offer that anymore. Mm -hmm. But just go to, okay, I'm going to make a collection. When that collection fails, once it's done, I'm moving on to the next bag. No more pre-orders, no more made-to-orders. Mm -hmm. And it just, for me, it gives me more peace, you know? Absolutely. I think I went through that transition as well as a bag. Well, actually, no. I did a custom at first, and I just got tired of that, like, you know, having to be on such a strict time frame or whatever. But I keep my bags, like, in very limited quantities. Do you have all of that information, like, on your website, too? Like, saying, like, it takes this amount of time, but people just don't read? Yes, yes. Okay. I do have that information, and people don't read. <laughs> and I used to do custom bags, too. I remember when I first started, I would do custom bags, and I stopped doing that because, people don't know what they want and people change and then you spend all this time working with the people and then they're like, Oh, this happened. I don't have the money to, to finish it. I was like, you know what? That's too yeah, much. I, I girl, girl, I had I, <laughs> girl that whole starting some shit that you can't finish shit. And happened to me so many times I didn't got burnt, but now I be, I don't do it. Like, I mean, I still, I take payment plans like for my services and stuff like that, but I get a lot of the money up front. And I won't even start on it until you pretty much paid in full because I've got burned so many times. So I'll take your payment plan, but I'm not starting nothing until you're paid in full. I know that's right. I know I, that's right. I ain't right. got the time. I ain't got the apparatus. I'm a small business owner and I still have to be able to make my payroll and pay my bills. So you going to wait. <laughs> um, yeah. But that's just how sure. it has to be. Um, would you say let's let's tap into a little bit about you know this 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 fashion industry and these bags? Um, do you notice or do you see that there is like this big thing on like you know using like you know coated canvas and like faux leather and stuff like that, and then they marking it up to almost you know a thousand and you know thousand plus dollars, and it's just like first of all that bag made in China, that bag ain't handcrafted. <laughs> And it's coated canvas and faux leather. But do you think it's just like a, knack, a a lack of knowledge from consumers? Like they just really focus in on who it is, the branding and the marketing and caring less about like quality? Yes, yes. I think that 
people, consumers are driven by what they see and what looks good. A lot of times they don't care about, not to say that they don't care about the quality, but that I don't think that that's always the first thing that they think about. You know, they see a bag or they see something, it has a big name attached to it, or, you know, um, it looks good and they saw so-and-so carrying it and it's like, I got to have that bag. Mm. But I am like genuine. I've always been one for where I like the real stuff. You know, I've always been one that's been drawn to leather. And I think that it's just a lack of knowledge. People just don't even, they don't realize that, you're paying all this money for this coated canvas bag and it costs less than a hundred dollars to make and you're mm. gonna pay thousands of dollars for it because it has a name attached to it or because so and so carried it. But then, you know, the 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 little people like me, the smaller people who are trying to make a name for themselves, I'm putting a six hundred dollar or eight hundred dollar price tag on mine and you like, you gonna charge that much? Like mm. yes, I am. Yeah. This is real leather, like hand, hand, um, crafted real leather. I picked the best, um, the best materials and everything and hardwares for the bag. Yes, absolutely, as you should. Yeah, but you right. have, but you, you know, that's the great thing about just like retail and consumer behavior as a whole. There are a, there is a consumer for everybody. So granted, like um, as a small designer, you may have a smaller bit of that consumer, that consumers, but you still got them. And there mm-hmm. still are people out there that do care about the quality, the handcrafters, the fact that it's black owned, like they care about that. You got people that don't. But the good thing is that there is a nice amount of consumer market that does have. It's just about reaching them. And like get it and get it and getting to them, which can be challenging too because marketing and PR are expensive as hell, you know. And then advertising Ooh. is expensive, so and you got to be able to allot, you know, um, money towards all of those things. And if you ain't got it, you ain't got it, you know. Um, and I know that yeah. I know that feeling also well because every time I want to bust a marketing campaign, I'm like, I ain't even got no budget for no marketing campaign. <laughs> <laughs> it is, and it's like back to Instagram. <laughs> Right, exactly. Back to Instagram. Where's my mailing list? Let me let me sell on Exactly. And I know and that there's so many other ones out there outside of email marketing and Instagram, but like those are our go tos because those are what's affordable and within reach. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And a lot of people and I think too, like you really wanna just I think one thing that small business owners don't realize is you want to just do as much as you can to reach as many people as you can. So yeah, you go to Instagram, right? And you post on Instagram, but we think, oh, I posted one time a day. That's good enough. No, 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 no. Because you're, however, if you have a list of a thousand people and you post it at 9 a.m. in the morning and only a hundred people saw that, you still got 900 people who missed it, mm-hmm. who either were asleep at 9 a.m., they were already at work in a business meeting at 9 a.m. or whatever the case may be. And so a lot of times we don't realize that Okay, if I post multiple times a day, you know, if I send emails out, if I segment my email list, and if I send emails out every single day to some part of my email list and send out text messages, then you can get the sales and you can push. But even when it comes to like ads, I think a lot of times there's there's times when I'll do an ad mm-hmm. and run it for three days and like do five dollars. That's fifteen dollars. Fifteen dollars for three days. Yeah. And you know, it may not reach hundreds of thousands of people but it's going to reach enough people where it's like okay I, i'm getting some more people added to my email list 
So now I can continue to build a relationship with those new people that just came to my email list and are introduced to my, you know, my brand. And so it's tough. It's really tough, but it, it's also a point in time where as business owners, we have to learn to be creative in how we go about doing things and what we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Would you say that like um, throughout your journey that you have made like any like really, really bad mistakes? It's a segment that I typically do is called it's a success or it's a disaster. Is it anything or any story that you could share where something went really bad, but you were able to use it as a learning lesson and maybe you adopted a different practice in your business? Oh, yes. So I really felt like, so I'm really one of those who like, okay, I got a relationship with God. That's like, we best friends, Amen. right? We talk all the time. And so I really feel like he's been pushing me to go into the space of getting rid of my made-to-orders, right? Mm -hmm. And so this year, I, as a small business owner, anyone who has a Shopify store and has had it for a while, Shopify started doing this new thing where they'll give you a loan with money and then instead of like having to pay it back by a certain time they basically just take a certain percentage of your sales um every yeah day. i got a few of those yes i've got so it a few i have been doing them i was like oh me too i've been doing them and i'm like oh they they always come at a point in time where you really really need it like i used it one time to buy an industrial sewing machine mm -hmm. different stuff like that right and so i had i actually still have one where i'm paying it back and I did not think about this because I was at the point where I said, okay, I'm going to transition. No more. This was back in August, actually. I'm a transition. No more made to orders. I'm going to, however long it takes, whatever it looks like, I'm going to go into making the collection. Mm -hmm. It was coming out of July. So we know anybody who's worked in retail for any amount of time, you know, July is a slow month. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I need to build some money. I need some money to come in. I got bills to pay. It's coming up this and other. So I said, let me run a, a, a sale and tell everybody this is the end of an era. I did that end of an era sale. And this is why you have to know your numbers as a business person. You got to understand your margins, like how much you're making on a product how much of a sale that you can do. Like a lot of people coming out of Black Friday, it's like, oh, I made this much money, but did you really, what did you profit? Right. You know, like not knowing what your, exactly. Not knowing what your profit is going to be at the end of the day. Cause you can make a lot of money, but then after you pay everybody back and this, that and other, you in the hole. And what I did was I was so desperate to try to make money at the time that I did a 30% off sale. 30% off the entire website, not thinking about the fact that, oh, this person might order this bag in a custom color. This person might order this and that. And then whenever you buy leather, it's not like you're going to, you know, move fabrics or something where you just say, I only need one yard. So just give me this one yard. When you buy leather, you have to buy the entire hide. Mm -hmm. And even if you only need a yard of that high, you got to buy the entire height. So some highs can be like, you know, $200, $300, $400, whatever. And I then gave people a $500 bag, 30% off. But then because I got the Shopify loan, they're taking 17% off. So really, I'm out 47% right up front. Oh, damn. And I got to sit here and buy the all the supplies that you need because nobody ordered the same thing, of course. Of course. I got to buy all the, all the leather, all the different things. I was like, 
I basically just gave these bags away. Everybody that bought a bag in August was it was free labor. Damn. Wow. Mm-hmm. Know your numbers. Know your did, numbers. Did you get and like, do not act? Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, don't act on desperation in business. Always think, look at the numbers, and that's how you need to move. Do not ever go off of emotion. I hear that. I was gonna ask you, like, did you? Was there any way you could have pivoted that over to your marketing budget? Like, was those people like posting? Like, were you able to get some content from it? So, all those orders, were you able to utilize it in any way where it could continue to grow the business? You know what? I didn't even think about that because I was just like, I got a lot of orders. And so, my mind frame was like, now I got to get all these bags made. And I did market to some degree, but I didn't market necessarily use those people in the bags that they got to market or I always tell people like, you know, share your pictures and this and the other with me. But again, people don't read. See now um, I would now for me, I would have made that requirement for this thirty percent off. Like yes. <laughs> post a picture. Okay. Right. <laughs> or I'm sending you an invoice for the remainder. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I should have did. Like I need this. But I was just like, oh my gosh, now I got to get all these bags made. I got to do the, I got to get the material. I got to do this. So I'm trying to find other ways to make money, to buy the materials, to get everybody's bag done. Gotcha. I said, this is the end. Yeah. I can't do this well, no more. That's what they call, my mama call that a bought mistake. Mm-hmm. You paid for that. You paid for that mistake. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. I Never it, again. Okay. So before we wrap up, I just got two things. So, um, one, I, I saw on your questionnaire that you you asked me that I have any advice for someone that's kind of moving into manufacturing. Um, mm-hmm. And my answer to that is keep them limited quantities. So for me, first of all, I only make seven bags each collection. Only seven. Mm. And I stick to those seven bags. I don't go too far from there. I might make a mini version of it. I might do it in other fabrics and stuff like that. But I keep a core set of bags and you know, staple tote, staple duffel, you know, staple fanny pack, blah, blah, blah. Now, I will buy so my So when fa- you say seven bags, do you mean like seven types a tote, of bags? A, yeah, okay, gotcha. A tote, a duffel, mm-hmm. a fanny pack. Like I have seven staple travel bags and then I have seven staple mm-hmm. just like uh, cross bodies, like crossover bags. So yeah. I don't redesign every season because I want to just keep utilizing the products that I have, the patterns that I've already invested my time into making. So that's the first thing. So like not designing a new collection every season is a way that, you know, when you go into the production mode, you can actually get a bang for your buck. Second thing is I I buy a certain amount of fabric to cover those seven bags. Ideally, I only want to make 10 to 15 because my brand identity is exclusivity. I'm not trying to make a whole bunch of bags for everybody once I make these 10 once they sold out you a done deal that's it so that way I'm in control of my inventory and I'm not trying to necessarily fulfill or I'm creating a demand for it I'm I'm creating a need for it so you know if you missed the first rim of these 10 bags and damn I should have been on it I should have got one next time when I drop another 10 you'll get on it and you'll pay for it and I can ship those out right away so I'm yes. only making certain amount of products each time I drop something. So that way I'm very, I do my cost sheets. I know how much my retail is going to be. I negotiate my fabric costs. I never take the first number that's there. So I negotiate with my, with my suppliers. And because I stay consistent and I'm constantly putting out like the same bags, but I'm using the same company. That's another thing. I use the same company for my leather and I don't mm-hmm. stray away from them. That will get me a discount 
on my leathers and on my supplies because I'm using the same company over and over again. When it comes to my trims, I only use natural brass. So I'm getting zippers on a roll. I'm not trying to match up a zipper. I'm not trying to match up the feet. I use the same type of stuff all the time. So I'm getting that at a discounted rate as well because I'm using the same thing, which is my brand identity. Just like um, Christian Louis Vuitton. That shoe changed, but that bottom stay red, you know? So my my, right. my, my materials and my trims are not as expensive and I, and I don't spend as much time sourcing because I'm getting the same things over and over. I only make jewel tone bags. So it's a certain color palette I stick to too. So I am very strategic about my material. So I'm not spending a lot on that. And then the labor of my bags, I standardize them based off of me making 10 to 15 per bag. So if I either, you know, I do my sample myself, but if I work with a factory, my price is going to be the same because I'm doing that same bag over and over again. Mm-hmm. And because I'm constantly being consistent, my labor, I might only pay 30 to $40 for a bag to be sewn, you know, and I'm selling that yeah. bag for three or four hundred dollars. So my 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 answer to that question is standardize your brand so that you don't have to pay a lot of money in production. Negotiate with your vendors and then create a system where you're not having to overwhelm yourself. Now you don't gotta offer everything. Get a little bit more tight and it'll be easier for production. And I do the the, of course, the same method, put it out there, see if people like it or whatever. And once I see who likes it the most, I'll decide, okay, well, I'm not even going to make 10 this time. I'm going to make 10 of this particular one because this one's popular. But I'm going to make five of this one because this one wasn't as popular. So I let that one bag, that sample bag that I put out there, lead me into understanding what I'm actually going to make in production. Got that you. Makes that sense. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes, it makes total sense. And that was one of the things that I was struggling with because – one thing that people loved about my brand was, okay, when I make a collection, it's probably going to be small. You're probably going to get one, two, maybe three in the same bag, right? Mm-hmm. And so people are like, oh, I love that because I don't want to see everybody with my bag. And that's the same way I am. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, if I want to go to manufacturing, I'm going to have to get more bags. Like, what does that look like? So I like the fact that you said, like, keeping it small and doing that because it does, it creates that demand that you want for yourself. And then people are like, oh, I'm not going to sleep on that. I loved that bag last time, but it sold out already. Okay, bet. Next time. I'm going to be waiting. I'm going to turn on all my notifications. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm going to be waiting for you. Yeah. Exactly. And then yeah. I work with factories that don't have order minimums. So that's, you know, I don't work with factories. It's like, oh, you got to make 20. You know, if I want to make three, I can make three of them. So I work mm-hmm. with factories where there is no order minimum. Okay. Yeah. Nice. All right. Nice. So my last. Thank you for that. Of course. And of course, you know, you can reach out anytime if you want to do like a production consultation or you want to kind of figure out what's the best way to go for you. We could do it based off of your budget or we can do a couple of different things. So, you know, feel free to reach out. We'll figure it out. I will be soon. Um, And my last segment is, it's a success or it's a muse. If you could share something that continues to push through through, that will inspire or help somebody else. So it could be a mantra, an affirmation, a prayer, a quote, a book, anything that just keeps you going. You know, lately, it's all different kind of things. I could probably give you one for every category. But um, I have a mentor and my mentor, she says, as a matter of fact, I had texted her today about it. She says that her mom used to tell her when they were little that ain't nobody better than you and you ain't better than nobody. And for me, it's like when you look around and you see all of these different brands and all these different um, business owners who are starting out and then you see the success and stuff like that and you're like, man, they're doing it, they're making it. And it's so easy for us to look and want to compare 
I'm like, well, what am I doing wrong? But it's like that person's no better than you and you're not better than them. And knowing that they're not better than you lets you know that, okay, whatever they did, they put a lot of hard work and effort into being where they got. All you got to do is put all the hard work and effort and to keep being consistent, to, to keep showing up and you'll be able to have the success story that you're looking for. And so that's just something that I've had to hold on to lately because, you know, there's so many, you know, ups and downs in business and ebbs and flows that it's like, okay, I need something to hold on to to let me know that I I can do it. And the, the word says that God is not a respecter of person. What he did for one, he'll do for another. So I'm like, God, I know you got me. You, it's it's going to come. Won't he do it? And it's going to happen. Girl, he won't he do, do it. And I, you can't, you it. cannot live in faith and in fear in the same time. Exactly. Right. Exactly. They right. do not reside. They do not reside. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Of course, if they want to find you, I'll put all the information in the show notes. But if you just want to go ahead and throw out your social media handles and your website. Yes. My website is www.tonybecker.com. That is T-O-N-E-B-E-K-K-A. And you can find me everywhere, Instagram, Facebook at TonyBecker.com. Amazing. Thank you so much, Tony. You have an amazing Fashion Friday. Okay. Thank you. Do the same. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. And as I always say, people, stay black. Peace out.